everybody. Welcome to Commercial Construction Elevate the Industry. I'm your host, Dave Presida. It's season three, so you already know why we're here. I got to tell you, I'm super excited today to have a fourth generation company to interview. Uh, Virginia Ginny uh, Cameron, who was the CEO, and Scott Cameron, who was the president of the Cameron Group. And I can't even imagine where we're going to start, but let's start from the beginning. You guys have been in business, this company, since when, Jenny? 1907. Started by my grandfather. That's on the 1907. That's what, 114 years? Mm -hmm. That's unbelievable. So tell me how, how did it all start? Well, it started when he was selling insulation products and he decided that he wanted to raise. And so he said he went to the folks, they were in, I think, in Michigan. And they said, well, you know, it's kind of a tough year, and I'm not sure we can give you the raise. And he said, okay, then I think I'm not going to work for you anymore. And they said, well, how about this? How about if we give you distribution rights in the D.C. market? He said, okay. So he started his own business. So, it was, wow. So this was your grandfather or your great-grandfather? Great-grandfather. That's, that's amazing. So how long was he with the business? Uh, until 1956. He died in 1956. I was only three, so I didn't get to know him a whole lot, but right. fortunate to have a couple years with him anyway. So you grew up in the, in and around the business? Always. Like you did. But let's start with you. So what do you remember <laughs> about your father and about the business from a, a young girl's perspective? I remember a lot of people would say, what business is your dad in? And I'd say, insulation. And they'd say, oh, oh what does he install? I'd say, no, not installation it's insulation right and they go, well, what's insulation because back then nobody knew what it was right and it certainly has evolved so it definitely has evolved yeah. and then my my cousins i was my dad my uncle and they each had three daughters and they were my only relatives so we hung around with my three cousins and we had they lived right around the corner and spent a lot of time with them and it was great um so you know, as a kid, I guess you, you thought it was really cool that your dad had his own business and that they had a Coke machine in the lobby and you could get them for free. See, then that's incredible. But that's what <laughs> you think back and that's what you remember about it. And before we get to generation number four, which you're going to, you grew up and your mother was in the business. What do you remember as a kid? About the business. My fondest memories are probably going to the ICA convention, which is the Insulation Contractors Association convention. And as a kid, I'm going into this big room and there's hundreds of people. And there's my grandfather, my mom, just working the room. It seemed like they knew every single person in that room. And I was amazed as a kid. And I just, I want to be a part of it as soon as I could do it. Wow. Very, very cool. So now you go from a little girl to a young woman. Was this your job? Did you start in the business working? I did not. I started out working in this business in the summers. And I can't say I was really, really thrilled with it. It was construction. It was a little rough. We were working in a trailer. I had a port john in the back. And it wasn't glamorous. It was not at all. And I was doing a lot of work with members and builders. And they weren't the nicest people to deal with at that point. Um, so I went to college, graduated and went into the advertising industry. Spent two years in the advertising industry. That's a really, really fast burnout industry. Mm. And my dad said, well, I'll offer you a job, but you gotta start at the bottom. And I said, okay, so what would I have to do? And he said, well, you have to count inventory. That's the first stop. 
And I said, okay, I'll probably count inventory. So that's how I started in writing work tickets. So the guys went out to do their jobs. I would write out the work ticket. And that's how I became familiar with all the materials. So you bring up a good point about your father saying you got to start at the bottom. He obviously, and maybe it's the generation, because we're going to get to you in a second. <laughs> maybe it's a generation. <laughs> but I know my dad would have said, and I went to work for my dad for a couple summers, and I did all the, the grunt work. Mm -hmm. And he was so... He was so afraid that he that he would be handing me something that I didn't earn, right? And he knew it would be a disservice to me. I do the same to my son, by the way. Um, and he, I know he's listening. Uh, <laughs> but but that's how you got started. When did you grow? In, how did you grow in the business? Was it quick? Was it slow? No, it was slow. I mean, I had to beg to get into sales. I said, I think it's time, Dad, that I got into sales. I think I can help you in sales. So he gave me a shot at that. And then he kind of showed me along the way, this is how you do this, and this is, this is the industry, and here are the people you need to talk to. And he was tough. He was very well respected in the business by the manufacturers. And as he went along, he would teach me how to deal with people, which was critical. And... He also knew all the numbers. He was a numbers guy. And he said, you've got to know the numbers. So he'd go out and he'd find out this person's paying this for this, and this person's selling it for this, and because he was in really the resale of materials at that point. Correct. And the contracting side was kind of a sideline. And then that started to grow. And the more we dealt with larger builders, the bigger we got. And it just kind of mushroomed from there. So, I'm going to leave you for a second. You were a kid. What was your first job with the company? As soon as I could pull a work permit at 14, uh, I got a job there in the summers. Um, I went into the air conditioning, filled out my application, and that was the last time I saw the AC. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the field. Uh, you know, I worked in the warehouse my first summer. Uh, got to learn all the inventory, the different R values. Got to learn about insulation. My second year, I was in the field installing it, um, and that's a miserable job if you've ever done it. it, it um, but it yeah. gives you a lot of respect for the guys that do it, and that's a lesson that needed to be taught because uh, you have a lot of respect for, for your employees once you do what they do and go through their pain. So, uh, yeah, taking a cold shower <laughs> after you get home to get that insulation off and let's uh, not was the best feeling in the world. <laughs> let's not forget. Your nickname, he's Uncle Beep Beep to his brother's, his uh, brother's son. And it's because I said, you better learn how to drive a forklift. Uncle Beep Beep, okay. And he would get on that forklift, and he's still the best out there That's on a awesome. forklift. Well, you know what I'm hearing, and for those that are watching and listening, is that neither of you were handed anything. You were given an opportunity. And one of the reasons I got to say that, and uh, agree or disagree, that your company is now in its fourth generation, you're successful is because the people who are running the show, you guys, right, have been through it all, right? You started low, you finished high, but all along the way, you said it, Scott, you respect the hell out of the people doing the work every day because you did it. That's that's awesome. Is there anything like you want to add to your your father or your mother that, that would lend itself to, to that end, right? That you appreciate 
the opportunity. Because I've seen lots of second generation people not ready, not willing, or willing but not able to do it. What makes you different? You got to love what you do. You know, a lot of people maybe get forced into a family company. It's not their passion. It's not what they want to do. I, I grew up and I loved it. I just wanted to do it. So for me, it was just natural. You know, I could just pick it up. I love construction. I loved everything about it and I still love it. You know, if it's not your passion, you know, even though it's a family company and a legacy, don't do it. So passion is passion. critical. Absolutely. It is. And the love for the industry. You have to love this industry. You have to want to give back to it. You want to make it better. It's a great industry. I know I said, how neat is it? You're working in an industry where you put insulation in somebody's house, doesn't ever degrade, doesn't ever stop working, doesn't have any working parts, but makes it more comfortable, makes it happier. How can you go wrong with that? That's a good way it's to look at it. It's a good, honest business. So now you've been 117, is that what we said? 117 <laughs> years? <laughs> and we're going to take a short break, but when we get back, we're going to talk to uh, Ginny and Scott about today's business, how it's structured uh, and how they're doing. And uh, we'll see you in a minute. Hey everybody, I'm Dave Presida, President of Adequate Construction Services, LLC, and I would love to talk to you business owners about your business. I bet you most of you that are listening have at least 75% of your personal equity tied up in the business. If you care about options on how to get that money out, that's what I want to talk to you about because I've been through it. I was a business owner and I sold my business. Didn't even know there was a buyer, but there are plenty of them. There has never been a better time never been a better time than now to sell your business. So maybe you haven't even thought about it. The last deal I did, the guy, I talked to him, I said, have you ever considered selling your business? He goes, didn't know I could. Well, yes, you can. There's a lot of options. I would urge you to go to my website, adicorp.com, A-D-I-C-O-R-P.com. My last name's spelled backwards. And go to uh, season one podcast, episode two, sales and acquisitions. It's gonna answer a lot of questions you might have. Yes, we talk about how you value your company, but that's only one piece, right? We're talking about why you would sell, who would buy it. Common concerns about you, your staff, your clients, your legacy, all important things to discuss. So go and listen to that podcast and then contact me. Either call me or leave a message on my contact page on the website and I will get back to you. Because as I said when I started, I look forward to talking to you about your business between now and then. Stay safe and stay tuned. Hey everybody, welcome back to Commercial Construction Elevate the Industry. We're here with the Cameron Group. And uh, again, we thank you for being here. This is exciting. A fourth generation company, over 117 years old. It's an incredible story. And I, I would say probably a handful of companies in all industries across the country can say that. So congratulations if I haven't already said that. Now, let's talk about the Cameron Group today. You're the CEO, you are the president. So why don't you divide up the group? I know you got three or four different companies. Tell us what they are. We do. Um, we have the Cameron Home Insulation, which is governed by DLR Maryland. That's the governing agency for homeowners, protect homeowners. So we have that part. We have Cameron Building Envelope Specialist, which we started because we were doing a lot of exterior envelopes. Um, and then we also have Cameron 
insulation, which is just basically the insulation of homes and um, small buildings. So you went from a company that sold products in covered pipes mm -hmm. to a company that sells products on the broad scale, both commercial and residential. And you also install commercial and residential insulation and related products. We do. And most recently mm -hmm. you're into? We're into air barriers. We're into spray foam, uh, exterior cladding, uh, basically the entire building envelope. We're trying to trying to hold that package in, in one one package, which makes sense to me. But why does it make sense to you, right? The reason I say that I'm saying it tongue in cheek is that it's just another hurdle, right? It's another hurdle, and I I don't imagine that you need the money, but it's almost like this is the right. Well, you tell me why. I sure you went to Ginny and said, look, I, I want to get into this business. Tell us that story. I'll tell you a story about just getting into commercial uh, spray foam in general and air barriers. I said, mom, do you realize that they're using spray foam on the outside of, of buildings and we can, we can do it. We have the equipment to do it. And she said, well, it's a whole nother ball game and we don't know anything about it. You know, why, why do we have to do that? We're so successful doing, doing houses. And I said, well, it's going to be the wave of the future. All the codes are being built around it. ASHRAE 90.1 just added the requirement for exterior continuous insulation and an air barrier, and this is going to explode. And so I took a risk on a, on a huge school. It was way too big for us, but I did it anyway. Uh, you know, my mom's the break sometimes. You know, I, I come up with these great ideas and she, she tempers my expectations. I'm behind you 100%, but are you sure you know what you're doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. I'm determined. We're going to do it. So I, we did this huge school and had no idea what we were doing. We, we got in there and I was on that job site half the time. I probably went gray uh, during that job. Um, we didn't make any money. I um, said, all right, well, that was a fun experiment. Are we done? And I said, no, are you kidding me? We just, I just learned everything. I said, now, we're, now we can make money on this thing. She was like, all right, well, so next job, we started making money. Next job, we started making money. And we just took it from there. Um, so, you know, having her support uh, means a lot to me, but also having those breaks is probably helpful too. Well, that's interesting because I almost kind of, I kind of know that's probably the dynamic. What did you think when he came to you with this? We got to make investments. We're not sure what we're going to do. You know, capital expenditures, all that stuff. Well, let me go back a little bit to when we started in foam because we were always a fiberglass company. Yeah. And Scott came to me and said, I think we ought to do foam insulation. I said, absolutely not. Don't want to talk about it, not doing it. It's probably the only time I really, really seriously put my foot down. And I was talking to my biggest customer at one time and he said, um, gosh, I wish you guys did foam insulation. At the same, simultaneously, that's this all happened at the same and time. And I said, um, well, but you don't use foam insulation. And he said, oh, yeah, we do. But I have to subcontract to somebody else. And I thought, oh, that's not good at all. So I went to Scott and I said, Scott, you know, second thought, maybe we ought to look into foam insulation. She said, well, how much does a rig cost? And I said, well, it's about $100,000 to $150,000. She's like, well, if we're spending $100,000 to $150,000 on a piece of equipment, you're going to run it. So I did. I sprayed foam for an entire year. I started the program. But again, 
you start from the bottom and you learn everything about it because there's a lot to learn in spray foam. There's a lot of skin in your knee. Those, that equipment's difficult to operate. Um, you know, you are the manufacturer. That's they amazing. hand you two raw barrels of chemicals and you, you gotta make it mix. Yeah. And you gotta have it one-to-one -one and you have to have the temperatures right. And you have to know a lot. Um, and I thought Vicky lost about 30 pounds the first summer being up in those hot attics spraying foam all suited up. And I felt so badly, but I thought, you know, that's what he's got to do to learn this business, to really understand it. And your machine would break down and he would figure out how to fix it. Now I'm calling my friends going, talk to Scott, tell him how to fix this machine. We got to get going again. We got to make some money at this. And uh, he did a brilliant job. So I already knew in the back of my head, Scott's one of those people that can figure out how to make it work. So I trusted him to do that. And even though we didn't make money on the first air barrier job, and I think we probably lost a little, um, when he said, but I learned from this and we'll go forward and we'll do well, I knew we would. That's incredible and, and on many levels. And it's funny because you got interested in foam when your client said, oh, we do foam, but we give it to somebody else. And you were like, that can't happen, can't right? Happen. And you know, foam insulation, um, spray polyurethane foam is probably the fastest growing segment in the insulation business because of the way it codes are now and, and so on. So that was a good move. That was a good move. Now, so now you're successful in all the other things you do, including spray foam. And now you decide to get into the rain screen business. The rain screen business, right. How did you sell that one? <laughs> <laughs> that was harder. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we had an opportunity uh, to bid a job. You know, I, I met Marty Fisher. Uh, I've been working with Marty. Marty's uh, a great guy. Marty's a great guy. Uh, he's taught me a lot. You, you asked earlier about influential people. Marty's been a huge influence uh, in, in our growth, uh, in my growth. Um, you know, he sold us Henry Air Bear products. He sells us BSF spray foam. Uh, and he started picking up cladding products. He said, Scott, I, I really think you guys can do this. And I said, well, there's probably a lot of companies that do this. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine that, that a general contractor would want uh, or entertain an air barrier sub installing cladding. And so what, well, I think it's a good package. And I said, well, I, you're probably right. You know, if the rain screen, if the air barrier is not right, the rain screen doesn't work. So- And you're penetrating it. And you're penetrating it Thousands a lot. of times. Right. So we actually do understand the science behind the rain screen probably better than, than a framer. Uh, so why not we give it a shot? And general contractor took a chance on us. We did our first job again, didn't make money, didn't really know what we were doing. Uh, cladding is a completely different business, uh, unlike anything we'd ever done before. A lot of the materials were coming overseas. You long have, lead time items. Long lead time items. You have to plan, Engineered plan, plan. products. And you can't layout, plan for what dimensions. you don't know, right? Exactly. So once we once we kind of learn, then the next job we could plan better. Um, but I, I agree with you because I mean I'm consulting with a company right now that got into the prefabricated air barrier rain screen the entire exterior wall business. It is a good business. It is a good sell. And what they're doing now is they're doing mostly design assist jobs. So they're handpicking their work because they can do everything, which is really a good spot. And you're getting close to that if you're not already there. So, so how did you receive that? Hey, mom, 
we want to get in the range screen business. Marty thinks it's a good idea. So you trusted your son <laughs> and you trusted Marty. That's yes. for sure. Yes, both. And, and I think once you understand building science, and Scott does understand that very well, um, it was logical. If you have to control all the elements and if you don't, somebody else can make a mess out of your work and make you look bad. True. Doesn't really happen with fiberglass. Fiberglass is really simple. You know, it's, nice it's there, it's not there, but this this is more technical and you have to understand all the component parts and how they work together. So as far as risk goes, fiberglass gets covered up. Pretty simple, not many callbacks. Air barrier, now you're talking. So if you're in the air barrier, you might as well control what goes beyond that. If it makes sense as a business because you're protecting your air barrier, that's not why you got in it, but that's a, a benefit, yes. right? Wow, interesting. Um, <laughs> so what, what's a typical day in the life of Ginny and Scott? Do you talk a lot? Are you, you know, you, you bounce ideas? Or tell, tell me <clears throat> a typical day in the life of the cameras. I, I think our pretty much on a daily basis, we always have lunch together. So we do a lot of things independently in the beginning of the day. You know, we're, we're both busy, um, but we always sit down at this conference room table and have lunch together and just talk about our days or, you know, sometimes we won't even talk about work, we'll just talk about family things. So you're friends as well. That's right. Yeah. Which, good for you, good for both of you. That's, and I'll tell you, that is not an automatic. And I've seen men, I've worked for some, worked with many as a client and worked for some, right? In, in, in roles that were that were major. However, not always did you, very rarely did you see that. Uh, and, and I think I said it earlier, most family businesses tend to be like magnets that, you know, kind of, they're not, they're not connecting, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're pushing away and they don't want to deal with it. So they want to throw all the stuff under the rug. But, you know, much like a relationship, you have a good relationship, mm -hmm. that's critical. So we're getting to the things that I think make a first generation company and a successful second generation, third generation, and now fourth generation. You're talking about trust. You're talking about communication. You're talking about the evolution of ideas, of the, the willingness to take on risk because, because you trust this guy. That's awesome. So let's, let's get to people that have influenced you. Now you've been around for a while um, and you, you've seen a lot of change in the business. You, you've seen a lot of change in technology. You know, I remember the first time I got my fax machine, you probably remember too. Who, give me a couple names and reasons why people and how they've influenced you in this business. Gosh, there's so many. I have to say probably the first one would be Larry Helmaniak. Larry. Larry had a company in called Carol Insulation very on the up and up, taught me a lot of things, um, had some funny little little quirks that he would say. Um, he said, sometimes you make the most money on the jobs you don't get. Very true. And that always stuck in my mind. And every time somebody would say, yeah, well, so-and-so's got that job and they're, you know, they're selling it for a thousand dollars. Why can't we sell it for a thousand dollars? Because our costs are more than what I'm willing to sell that job for. And so I'm not gonna do that. And I said, you know, sometimes the jobs that you don't get are the ones you make money on. They're the best jobs sometimes. And he, he was funny about hiring people and he said, I only hire virgins. 
So somebody that worked for somebody else, I don't want them. They develop bad habits and I just don't want them. So he wanted somebody out of the industry. Yeah. Pretty much. Somebody that was fresh and new that that didn't already have bad habits taught by someone else. He was a competitor. He was a competitor, but he was a really good competitor. And And he liked you. He did. And he was on the board of directors with me at ICAA. And I was I would sit there at the meetings and just listen to him and go, wow. He's honest. He knows what he's talking about. He's very forceful, but he's a kind person. That's that's a good combination. So that was great. It's a rare combination. I have to say, uh, Michael Court at ICAA was another one. He is a great leader of the industry, and has been amazing in bringing together a great board of directors and a great organization of contractors and keeping the industry on the right track and keeping it honest. Uh, I was president of that organization in 2001 where they they had, um, they were trying to get the insulation installers to basically wear zoot suits. And it was, OSHA was involved and it was a big mess and he handled it beautifully. Um, then we were accused of, the industry was accused of, oh, they're cheating people, they're not using the right number of bags in an attic and blah, blah, blah. So he handled that beautifully. So that was a great thing and he kept the industry on track. Um, still does, he's still um, the executive director. Yep. Um, David Beam is, he and a group of us from ICAA have all past presidents uh, started Insulate America, which was a buying group, basically started to A, help the industry, and B, help the small guy be a big guy. Put a fruit there. And we came up with a lot of ideas for buying, but we also came up with things like a scholarship for kids that are um, sons and daughters of people who work for us. Human things. And that's, that's been just a wonderful thing. There isn't anything that he wouldn't do for somebody in the industry if they're warehouse burned down he would be right there um and he'd have all of us right beside him so those are three of the people that i think are the the biggest influences but also of course my dad uh um, that was coming my dad was was great he was just he was a very honest um he's a very very tough negotiator Manufacturers were petrified of him. Not petrified of me, mm-hmm. but they sure were of him. That's interesting. And he was he was great. Um, and we had a relationship very much like Scott and I did. And we'd sit down and we'd have lunch together and we'd talk about things. And um, he was willing to go out on a limb for some of the things that I wanted to do. Um, and the, the, the one thing he always said was, don't ever borrow more than you can pay back. And I have lived by that. And I said, I, you know, sometimes when you want to grow, you got to go to the bank and say, hey, I got this great idea, but I don't quite have the money to do that. And he always said, unless you can pay it back, don't ever go to a bank. Because I went through the era where they called loans. And I was just amazed. I thought, how can you, you borrow money? And they say, you've got 30 years to pay it back. And then they walk in the door and they go, we want our money tomorrow. And you're like, well, I don't have it. If I had it, I wouldn't have borrowed it. Can I tell you before we continue is that I was caught in that in the early 90s when I was leveraged. And I talk about it in my profile 
in my podcast that it's not a good spot to be in because you're counting on everything going right. And if one thing goes wrong and you owe people money and I owed Nat West some money, they didn't think I could pay it back. They, they didn't call the loan, but they they stopped the loan. In other words, it was an annual, an annual um, uh, renewal. And I had three months to replace it. And I went through heck and back to do it. But I never had, like my father, I love my father. But, and he taught me things, but he didn't teach me that because he wasn't a businessman. So good, good, good for you. So what about you? Tell me some influences in your life. She's right there. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> you know, having a, a, a woman in construction, I, I didn't conceptualize that when I was a when I was a kid. It, it woman man didn't mean anything in construction. But looking back at it, you know how amazing that is to to have a woman go through and try to lead a third generation company uh, in construction through the '80s as a single mom raising two aliens. Because my brother and I weren't easy. <laughs> two aliens, I like that. And I, you know, having a, a child now, you know, I, I can appreciate just how hard that must have been, but I didn't know. Uh, and, and looking back at it, I mean, it's just amazing. And she didn't just make it through the third generation. I mean, she led the industry. Uh, you know, she was president of ICAA. She was named key man. You know, they don't That's have that award anymore, the wild. man. But, you know, here's a woman up there getting the key man award. Um, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable what, what she was able to accomplish. Um, so the bar was raised, you know, and it was, it taught me a lot, you know, watching her. Uh, she's really strong. Well, obviously in the business side of things. And I think, look, I don't know what you're hearing, but I'm hearing honesty. You talked about your father, right? Uh, trust relationships. It's not about just with customers. It's about within your own organization, your own family. It's the, in this case, it's the right? moral standard. You know, that's what separates family companies, I think, from these bigger corporations is our moral standard is higher. Yeah. You know, we we give back to the communities we live in. You know, we're our CEOs don't live, you know, in, in Naples, Florida. Um, no offense to anybody who lives in Naples, Florida, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> You know, we live we live here and we support yeah. our community. We're both, uh, you know, on, on charity boards. Um, you know, my mom's on boards for the industry. She's she's given back uh, to the industry from day one. Um, so let's talk about before we get to the woman in business because that's a big deal. Let's talk about money, okay, and success because money and success to me it doesn't equal success, right? But what. What does money, you talked a little bit about charity and so on. What does having money do for you, for your life? I mean, you can only buy so much. You can only go so many places, right? What does it mean to you to be successful on the money side? Well, I think you're in business to make money. And you certainly, you have to have it in order to do the things that you need to do on the business side. But people laugh around here because I always say, it's not about money. And it's, it's never been about money. Um, I'm just not that, I'm not that person. It, money doesn't make it, money is a means toward the end. And I'd rather see other people enjoy and be rewarded here. We're big in giving bonuses and it's, it's everybody shares and that's that family concept where it's a, it's a pot you stick it in the pot and then you take part of it out and fill it out and that's the way we work and that's the way we've always done things 
we're, we're a pretty unique company. We bring our employees in and we actually, uh, you know, review our income statements with them. You know, we sh- we show we open our books up. I mean, how many companies do that? You know, none that what, I know. None that you know, right? Now I one. Mean, <laughs> but it really helps you run a successful company when you're an open book and you show your employees what it takes to, to to run a business. Because a lot of times the perception is you're making all this money. You know, right. you have all these things. You you bought this big fancy building and uh, you know you drive a, a nicer car than I do, but. Uh, you know, when you open your books up and you show them just how much money is given back, you know, just how much goes out into the field, um, they really gain a, a better understanding of, of what it takes to run a company. And then they don't want to run it. You know, they, but, but you know, you talk about there we go again and honesty, transparency, right? Now, what level of employee do you bring in and share your books with? Uh, foreman? D- down to the sales team. Uh, yes, foreman, superintendents. Uh, that is. That's wild. That's really wild. But that I got to tell you, my hat's off to you because you fit, you figured out a way to sustain a good business. Four generations, 117 years. Incredible. Before we break for the last time, I want to ask you about being a woman in business. If you had to summarize your experience and maybe things you had to go through that somebody like me wouldn't, how would you do that? a tough question. Um, I really grew up never believing that there was a difference between a man and a woman. I mean, obviously, physically, there are differences. But I was brought up, you can do whatever you want to do. My grandmother taught in a one-room schoolhouse. Hmm. You know, well, my, my other grandmother worked at the Library of Congress. So I came from a background of working women and women who wanted to do something with their lives. And so I really never saw any difference. If I wanted to go to law school, that's what I could do. It was all up to me. And my father was very, very supportive in that. He never treated his daughters like, oh, well, you're a girl, so you can't do this. It was, you know, I was going to go to the Redskin game with them, and I was going to go body surfing with them, or whatever it was, because I could do whatever I wanted to do. Did you have any brothers? Did not. Yeah, maybe that lended itself partly to you being involved so much with your dad. Yes, and I was a tomboy, and I loved sports, and I loved all the things that my dad loved because I just adored my dad. And I really didn't think that there was anything that I couldn't do because I was female. There were a couple times on job sites, very few, back in the days where they whistled. Um, other than that. When you, you walked know, into a conference I, room, you were you were there. I I commanded the same respect that a man would get. See, I think that you're a if you're a strong woman and you know your business, right? And it's not that you, you know. Yes, you were part of a family inherited business, but I always look at that and say it's not your fault, right? You were at this place in time because you were. It's what you did with what you got. And both of you are an example of that and you're growing a business. So I'm gonna use that as a a segue. We're gonna break for a minute. When we get back, we're gonna talk to Ginny and Scott about what's in their future. See you in a minute. Hey everybody, if you're looking for a strategic business partner who does subcontracting work on the interiors, let me tell you about the CFP group. 
They are a minority business enterprise and have been in business for over 20 years. If you're interested, you can contact them by email at cfpgroup1 at gmail.com or call them directly at 410-977-8568. That's 410-977-8568. Take it from me. I've done business with them and I know they can get the job done. Hey everybody, welcome back to Commercial Construction Elevate the Industry. We're here with the Camerons and now we're going to talk about where the business is going. And and before we go there, I want Jenny, I want you to, to you know, kind of verbalize where the business started when you were a kid and, and how it's different today, just in general. Well, initially, like I said, we were in the resale material and then it was all fiberglass and track houses. Then we went into custom houses. Then we got into foam insulation. Now we're into other things. And the future is really up to Scott and the things that he thinks will work in this industry. And I'm, I'm real proud because I'll go in his office in the evening, I'll look at what's on his computer screen and he's researching something. You know, what's the trend? What's, what's the latest and greatest it's gonna come about? What's, where's this industry headed? And how can we spearhead it and be first in line? And what more can you ask? So one of the one of the keys to being a good leader is being curious, which just describes you. So so tell us what's in the future for the industry and uh, for the Cameron Group. So the industry now is is all about speed. How how fast can you deliver, and how fast can we get a building weathertight so we can start the interior trades? And the fastest way to do that is to prefabricate, to put as many of those components together in one place and deliver them to the job while the concrete's being poured, you're already fabricating everything. So uh, we're looking at prefabricated walls, uh, you know, on the wood side, uh, we're looking at uh, a product called T-Stud. Uh, we're looking at prefabricating wall panels with, with them that include spray foam. Uh, so that's, that's where we're headed. We're headed towards prefabrication. I think that's where the industry is going. And I think for a lot of reasons you get, cause I'm, I'm very much a big proponent of prefabrication. And you said it, drying in early, that's what everybody wants. And drying in early, ringing a commercial building. Mm -hmm. So you can get your interior trades in. Because before, it used to be you do four floors on the east, then you go to the north and the west and the south. And you're never really dried in until you're done those four floors. Now you can do it in a, such a way where you can allow the general contractor to pull in other trades and you start early. So you're talking about schedules, manpower. Lack okay. of manpower. It's Safe, tough. Safety. Not safety. hanging on the side of a building with a swing stage. You know, we're building them right here. We don't have the same risk. Body control. Do you see like it? Working in, inside a shop. So we agree on that. Um, how has technology impacted your business over the last, say, 10 years? Has it? It has. Uh, estimating softwares. Uh, just some of the tools the general contractors are using to better organize jobs like Procore, you know, being able to uh, have addendums come out on time and uh, the communication is so much better now. Uh, jobs are being run much more efficiently than ever before uh, and it's only going to get better. So te technology continues to improve in construction and, and I feel like it's just the beginning because we were so far behind in construction. Uh, it's been it's been a cool ride 
in the last several years because construction is starting to creep up. But if you look at the auto industry, they're light years ahead, you know, manufacturing in general, uh, commercial construction or construct construction in general, manufacturing is in, it's coming out of the dark ages. There's new equipment now to buy. Now you gave Procore a plug. What about Plan Grid? Others, right? There's Plan Grid is great on the estimating side. We use that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What software do you use? What do you have a fully integrated software package? Uh, we use uh, yes, one for the insulation industry. Uh, it's called Job Pro. Okay. Uh, we use that for for estimating. Uh, we use Plan Grid to actually estimate the the blueprints. Uh, most general contractors using. Um, uh, Procore, but not everybody. So it's kind of frustrating that, that a lot of the general contractors are, you know, you may work, we work for, gosh, I don't know how many, 30, 40 general contractors, and we may have 10 different softwares to learn. I, I wish there would be some consensus. You're absolutely right. Now I'm going to put you on a spot. Your mom's listening. Our whole audience is listening. I'm a client you just met. You got 30 seconds to tell me what makes you, I know what you do. What makes you different and why should I choose you for my job? Well, speed, we're fast, we're accurate, and we will deliver on time, every time. That was only seven seconds. That was that's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's, that's even better. You're talking about speed, right? Even in delivery, right? So I got to ask you in closing, you have in your hands, you've been fiddling with oh, this little yeah. black book and you know, if you could, if you could show it to the camera, perhaps, I don't know if, if you can see that. Um, this is a, looks like a small ledger. Why don't you explain what that is? This is like the history of the business. This is 1917. 19, say that again. 1917. <laughs> oh my gosh. These are expenses by the month and what he calls saved which is what you made because you saved it. And that was my grandfather's. And this book goes through many years. Here's 1919, amount saved $2,247. That's incredible. So it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Some of it's handwritten. I mean, it's all handwritten, but some of it's in script, some of it's in print, um, but they're all numbers and it's just, it's, it's like a little Bible to me. This is our history right in my little hand. And um, we just keep going. So. I gotta say that from, from our audience and me, congratulations on coming this far, being fourth generation. But the really cool thing is that, that, that I see today is the relationship that you guys have. And it's special, I hope, and I know you do appreciate it. So uh, for our listeners, thanks for joining us. Uh, the Cameron Group, we wish you the best, and I'm sure that we'll be hearing from you again. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. And for all you listeners out there, thanks again for joining us. Stay safe and stay tuned. So follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Elevate Industry. Check out my YouTube channel at Commercial Construction, Elevate the Industry. Visit my website, adicorp.com, A-D-I-C-O-R-P.com. Go to LinkedIn, search for David Proceda, hit connect and follow me. Please rate, review, and comment on this episode, and I look forward to seeing you next week.